Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Adam Castor, here with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how you doing? Hello, Adam. I'm doing well. Hopefully everyone can uh, can say the same. How was your weekend, sir? It was great. That's good. Yeah. Went back to, uh, I went to the city for the first time in five months. Oh, that must have been very exciting. It was a weird experience. Uh, how, how is New York City these days? It's, uh, it's a lot emptier than I remember. Yes. Yes. Sounds um, about right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I went back to uh, my, day, my day job working at WFAN for the weekend. Love that. And uh, it was very fun. It was Love pretty, that. pretty easy considering it was just the Mets and the Yankees playing. And, you know, the Mets won. So I was pretty happy about that. Sounds like a very uh, stress-free life that you live there, Mr. Gaster. I unfortunately cannot say the same because it is draft week. Yeah. It is it is the first draft week of the year. It actually it actually hasn't hit me. It, it's it's very strange that this year, for some reason, I, it just hasn't hit me that there's a that I have a fantasy football draft on Friday. Listen. It it, I, it just hasn't yeah. hit me. I agree. It does not feel like uh, it's August at all. I, I I wouldn't even say it doesn't feel like it's August. I would say it's it doesn't more feel like the summer's so. Over. It's so weird. I would say it's more so the fact that with all that's happened and all that's gone on, there's just this overall numbness that I've just been very much so accustomed to. Where it's like, okay, whatever happens, you know, just sort of happens at this point. And like the 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 tiniest sliver of normality when it comes to doing a fantasy football draft in August just feels it feels like nothing right now it 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 is so it's not right it's not right but i can guarantee you that by thursday if not friday morning when it is draft day d day whatever you want to call it d day then it, then then it will hit then it will hit but right now right now it just feels it feels it feels meh but i think it also comes with being unprepared like i usually find myself very very prepared and i have all my stuff together and i'm ready to go i just haven't done it i just haven't done i mean i've of course i've done rankings i've done projections i've done things like that but there's so much more that goes into my draft day preparation that i just have not done yet and it kind of horrifies me that i here i am four days before a draft and i'm lacking in preparation yeah, well, at least you have not this. like me. At least you have this show that acts as a bit of like homework for upcoming drafts, not just for our listeners, but for us. True, true, very true. Um, yeah, it's just a. I was gonna say, like, sort of in the same vein as you, it just feels weird. It doesn't feel like we're in August. It still feels like. The sun, like the summer hasn't come yet, almost. Because usually, yeah, it feels like it feels like May or June. I yeah, I I completely agree. It's like there's no way because there's no way we're like ten days away from my birthday, like this late in the summer. It's like unbelievable how quickly it's gone by and just how how little has actually like happened. How unlike any other summer that this has been in my entire life. You're older, you're wiser there, Mr. Caster. 
Yes. And a year closer to death. I prefer not to think about it that way. <laughs> but thank you for the first part of what you said. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, before we go in to the news and notes, where one huge thing happened while we were, uh, after we recorded, because doesn't it fucking always? Always does. Uh, you have one quick question for me. I do. I do. So this comes from a listener of the podcast. Thank you very much for submitting this question. And it's a very, very good question with the, with the flavor of the month being drafts and, and drafting and, and things like that. The one quick question that I have for today is, I feel like we've talked about this before, maybe not on this show. Maybe we did it on uh, the Required Radio Fantasy Show. Maybe, I don't know, but it, it sounds vaguely familiar. What are your thoughts on draft pick trading? Ooh, that's a very interesting question. I really have to think about that. Um, I don't. I think we might have maybe touched on it on the on the Required Radio Fantasy Show. I, I feel like we've talked about this before. I, I feel like we have. But um, mainly, my thoughts on it. I've been in fantasy leagues where where draft pick trading has been a thing. I've been in fantasy leagues where draft pick trading has not been a thing. Um, I think that it makes more sense if you're in a dynasty league where it's where when you're in a dynasty, you're trying to emulate the NFL GM experience. And I think a lot of what comes, what goes into being an NFL GM, not only drafting well, but also trading your assets, trading picks, things along those lines. But uh, I think I'd be in favor of it. If it's, if it's something where, there's more permanence to the draft. There's more of a reason to, uh, to have the draft or there's more reason to trade assets like, like that Then yeah, sure. Cause then you can get really interesting trades where you're like, I'm going to trade you a first and like a first next year or like a third round pick three years from now or whatever. But I wouldn't be against it. If there was a uh, trade, if there was trading in my league, as long as it's handled the same way as any as trading players, where you get uh, voted on, the committee votes on it, whole bit. So, yeah, I'm I'm in agreement on a lot of things that you just said, Adam. I think that in redraft leagues, I think trading picks is just that's a f- wicked formula for someone to just not care about the league in five, six weeks. So I just would not even go down that avenue. Uh, but in terms of keeper and, and dynasty, yeah, it's, it's a big part of it. And in trading draft picks during the draft is it's huge. It's, it's part of it. Even during the off season, a lot of, a lot of transactions do occur where there are draft picks involved. I mean, I know um, I made two, two trades just this off season in my, my big keeper league that had draft pick compensation just completely attached to, to these deals. And I think that when you're in a draft and because I think that really, this is where this, this question is heading down, you know, 
are you allowed to trade picks during a draft? What do you do in terms of trying to trade picks during a draft? How do you ensure you don't get fleeced in making a trade during drafts? Things like that. What I would do is because I make one every year and I could basically give you a blueprint for how to do it is I come up with a draft pick value chart and I basically assign points for what every pick is worth. So if I pull up my, uh, my trade uh, draft pick chart, which I have right in front of me, basically what I was able to do was assign a numerical value for what each pick is worth. So let's just say the number one pick that I have down here, I have it worth 91 points. Then the second pick, you know, number two overall, is worth 79. So what I would do in this instance is you have to figure out a way where, A, you're able to, if you want to trade up for number one overall, you have to give the person who has the number one overall pick more than the 90-point valuation. Plus, if you're doing it where there's an even exchange of draft picks, you need to make sure that you know number one overall is getting their, their money's worth. So let's say uh, number one overall is worth 90 points. Number two overall is worth 78 points. You're in a 10-team league, let's say. So then your pick then in the second round is worth 39 points right then and there. So what you're getting at is your, your second overall pick, your first round pick, and your second round pick are worth 117 points to number one picks, 90 points. And then if you were to put a draft pick in there that you would get back from the person who has number one overall, you could be talking somewhere in the 100s to make that work, which those picks like pick 99, 100, basically around the 11, 10 point range. So if you were to make that trade, you could absolutely make that work. And if you had the numbers just right in front of you, it makes it a whole hell of a lot easier for someone that you're trying to make a trade with to see, you know, oh, okay, well, you have, it's basic addition. You know, you're, mm -hmm. putting, you're putting two values together, you're pairing them up, and you're seeing what else you have to do to provide equal value. And that's the one thing that I think also people need to understand is the person that you are trading with is always going to get better value. You need to make sure and understand that because there's no such thing as equal value in a trade. You need to make it enticing for the other person in that trade to want to do it. So in this instance, if you're going your second overall pick and then your second round pick for number one overall, and that's 117 points, and number one pick is worth 91, you could just say, all right, give me an eighth round pick. Give me a ninth round pick, which is worth the 11 points, which, I mean, you're taking a six-point hit from it, but at the end of the day – He's getting evens he's out. getting more of the value. What's that? It's like sort it sort of evens out. It's like yeah, I if if somebody somebody really only um, accept a trade if it's beneficial to them because why? Because yeah. like basically they have the leverage in that scenario because it's like you came to me, right? So they have, they have all yeah. the leverage exactly, and you need to make you need to make it enticing for them. Um, I will say that, and this is a 
very touchy sort of subject, but I know that a lot of leagues, there's a, especially in big time keeper and dynasty leagues, there's a whole, there's an overall committee or someone that reviews trades. It could be one person. It could be two people or five people. It doesn't really matter. I would say in this instance that if you're going to trade draft picks in the middle of a draft, I don't think that that needs to be reviewed at all. I think if it's between two people, it's happening right in front of you. You see it happening and these two people are competent, then it's, it's completely fine. Doesn't need to review whatever. I prefer to call them the Jedi council. Jedi council. Perfect. Yes. I will say, however, and Adam, you touched up, you touched on this before. When it comes down to trading future picks, that gets very dicey because you don't want someone trading two first-round picks next year and a third-round pick in 2023 for the number one pick right now. Because who says that that person can't just walk? So what well, yeah, I it's do, different. It's different than the NFL because the NFL, you can't just have an owner quit and be like, I'm not going to be in the league this year. It's like, what the fuck? You exactly. own a team. <laughs> exactly. And you can't have someone come in and just say, oh, but the, the trade's going to be null and void because this person is, is gone. It reflects badly on the guy that had number one pick and, and traded it. You know, it sucks for him. So at the end of the day, what I always do is if someone is trading a future pick, and I, I only allow two years worth of picks to be traded. So if someone wanted to trade right now a 2021 fourth and a 2022 seventh for a 2022nd, let's just say. I would allow it. It would be okay. But the person that's allowing, or the person that is trading the person who is trading that 2021 and 2022 pick needs to give a down payment for the league for both of those years in case that person dips. So let's just say your league fee is is 50 bucks. Let's just say you're playing in a $50 league. That person is responsible for each year that they are giving picks away from. They have to put down 10 bucks for each year to make the trade happen where if they do, if they do get up and leave, they have a non-refundable 10 bucks that goes to the pot for the league. And then the new owner comes in and they only have to pay 40. So my question about that is, does the new owner inherit the like lack of picks? Yes. Okay. Yes. But they don't, but they don't have to pay as much as everybody else does because there's already 10 bucks attached to their team. Okay. That so they would only have to pay 40, but that's a result of having, of not having a fourth round pick that year. They're not having a seventh round pick the year after. So they'd be paying 40 bucks for, for two years as a result of not having that pick. So a draft pick trading is a lot of fun. I, I definitely enjoy doing it. I enjoy the, um, the, the grind that comes with trying to, uh, to make uh, trades. I know I'm, I know I'm, deep in that right now uh there are a couple people i know that are trying to make trades uh for our for our draft on friday and um yeah it's it's a grind it's it requires a ton of patience um but at the end of the day you know if it gets done it gets done if it doesn't that's another thing too that comes with trading in general is you just have to stick to your guns and if you 
if you truly believe that what you're offering is great and the other person doesn't and you're not willing to go the extra mile, then then you know where you stand. Yeah. You got to be like Joe Douglas. You got to have a line that you don't want to cross. You have to draw a line you, in the sand. Exactly. That's how you get Bill O'Brien. Yes, that is how you get Bill O'Brien. Exactly. Yeah. Thank right. you. Thank you for the question. That was that was wonderful. Hopefully, we answered everything. Yeah. No, that was really cool. It's something that I don't really think about that often, because I think you know part of the challenge of fantasy football is where you get put in the draft lottery every single year, and you have to like kind of make do with um, whatever pick you have. But I think. If you're in a league with people that you know, people that you that you trust, you and um, a league that has a lot of longevity in the sense that it's either a dynasty league or a keeper league, then yeah, it's really fun to uh, do that. It adds another layer of strategy and another layer of, layer of complexity to something that already has a ton of strategy and complexity, like fantasy football. I agree there, Mr. Caster. Yes. All right. Uh, the one big piece of news and notes is quite the big piece of news and notes. Big one. This is the big one. And uh, the Washington football team last Friday released running back Darius Geis as a result of a, what was it, uh, domestic violence accusation? Domestic violence and then one, um, one charge of strangulation. Yeah. But they were stemming, they were stemming from incidents at his home, ranging from February of this year to April. I believe it was three separate incidents. Well, that is not not ideal. I mean, it's terrible that this is that this happened in the first place. I think it's just one of those things that should be said, it should be known that this is not this is like an unacceptable thing. That well, look at look at Ray happen. Rice. Look at Ray Rice. I mean, he's been he's been banished from all NFL circles for what he yeah. did. So and yet, Ruben Foster's still on on the on Washington. So the guy's young and can play. The, at, the, at the end of the day, what can help your football team takes place takes the place of morale and and um, morals. Clearly, so. I don't. I don't agree with it, but that's no. just me. I don't. I'm not in charge of running a football team. No. If it was, if it was up, if it was up to me, I would have uh, Jesus as my quarterback, God as my head coach, and all the angels and saints as my receivers and tight ends, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, safeties, corners, kicker, punter, because kickers and punters are people too, mm-hmm. and fullback and fullback, of course. Yes. I would have Moses as my fullback because he would just part the Red Sea. And then Jesus would be a running back. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is one of those things where... Bad I think news. Dar- bad bad news. news, definitely. I think Darius Geis, people were saying that he had, there was like some character issues when he was at uh, LSU even, and that's kind of why he fell in, uh, in drafts. And I think maybe Washington was like, well... Not only did this guy, did this player do something reprehensible, but we have plenty of running backs on the roster. He's injury yeah, prone. Do. Yeah, they do. So I guess you want to revise some stuff that we talked about with uh, Washington. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to uh, to change up now. Um, 
I think when you're looking at the running backs that they have in Washington right now, you have J.D. McKissick, who's there. You have Peyton Barber, who's there. Adrian Peterson's there. Bryce Love is there. And Antonio Gibson. In non-PPR, I think Adrian Peterson is the guy for me, if I had to choose one. In PPR, I think my guy would be Antonio Gibson. If I had to pick one, I think Antonio Gibson definitely provides the most upside, especially when you have Ron Rivera talking about how he believes Antonio Gibson could be the next McCaffrey. So, well, you know, that should that would be amazing. That should get him. a lot of people excited. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, Peyton Barber was terrible in Tampa Bay last year. You know, I, I, I don't think he has a big part to play in this football team. I wouldn't be surprised if J.D. McKissick uh, carved out a role for himself, given that he is a, he's a third down pass catching extraordinaire. Um, so at the end at the end of the day, I'm ta- I'm going to ta- talk about the three running backs here: Bryce Love, Adrian Peterson, and Antonio Gibson. I think who has the safest floor is Adrian Peterson. So I think if you're looking for safety, a guy that can ret- return some nice value the first couple weeks of the year if you're stuck uh you don't have a ton of running back depth you've drafted a lot of rookies and they're not panning out right away i think adrian peterson could be your guy and he can provide some some safety i think if you're looking for if you're looking for ppr upside i think it's antonio gibson but his floor we don't know what his floor is because he's a rookie and i think if you're looking for just upside in general i think bryce love can can be your guy because people forget this is a guy that finished second in the Heisman voting. Yeah. The kid has talent. It's and true. and the, the Washington would not keep him around if they did not value him in some way or another. So I think Bryce Love has some upside. His, his potential is through the roof because I think he's incredibly talented. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it it's a situation that honestly I just want no part of. Because the the whole the whole backfield just scares me. It it it's just a really really crappy, shitty, disgusting pile of garbage, really. But if I had to pick one in in PPR, which is mainly what I play, I would probably pick Antonio Gibson. In a non PPR, I would pick Adrian Peterson. But who do I think has the highest ceiling of the bunch potentially? It could be Bryce Love because I think right now I think Bryce Love could be the most talented out of the three, but it just comes down to what's his health, you know, what's his, what's his status looking like. And will he get an opportunity when you have Ron Rivera already talking about Antonio Gibson as being this Christian McCaffrey, Swiss army knife sort of deal for, for Washington. So um, yeah, obviously what happened with Darius Geis is is awful. He's uh, he quickly was off all of my, uh, all my draft boards. Um, And we can just only hope that, um, I mean, I, I the 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 good Christian in me would say, yeah, uh, hopefully he'll get another chance in the NFL. But I don't want to see him in the NFL, honestly. I hope he gets the whole. I hope he gets a therapist. Yeah, it's probably not a bad idea. He probably needs one. Um, yeah, I don't want to see him in the NFL until he gets his life sorted out. I but, I, I think he he signed his uh, he signed his death warrant, honestly. In terms of his uh, his NFL career, the comment yeah. and and by the way, I, I don't know if this is uh, pertinent to anything, 
um, I heard from a from a source that works uh, very closely with uh, the Washington football team that was saying that even before the uh, the even before Darius Geist turned himself in, uh, he did injure his knee again in practice on Thursday. Oh uh, well, yeah. It didn't seem like he was really gonna pan out anyway. No, and especially if uh, he had another knee injury. Yeah, that that would have been all she wrote. Yep for for Darius guys. Kajana Carter two point Yeah, but besides uh, besides not being a first round pick. Yes, besides not being a first round pick exactly. But enough of that uh, horrible horrible news. Let's move on to our the second to last penultimate segment in our division by division preview for the 2020 season in fantasy football. And we are starting here with the AFC West. We are here with the AFC West. Wonderful. Love that. This is going to be a fun division to talk about. There are a lot of teams that you can make a case for um, doing really well this season. I think there isn't a team here that's going to be like abjectly terrible like you'd see with like Jacksonville. No, I think this is a, this could be a very competitive division. Maybe and, maybe yeah. the bottom 3 it'll be competitive, but you know, at the top I don't think there's any real uh debate. Well, yes. But uh for the other 3 spots there there should be competition kind of like how it was last year. But starting off here, let's start with the Denver Broncos. And uh, I know that you like Drew Locke. I do. Correct? Yeah. yeah, I do. He did pretty well last year, definitely. Um, he's getting another receiver, another top wide receiver in Jerry Judy from the draft. He has a great running back in Melvin Gordon, but that backfield is so weird to me, and we'll get, we'll get to it in a couple of minutes. But um, the offense is really kind of like coming around with – the Denver Broncos and, you know, returning Cortland Sutton and star tight end Noah Fant. I mean, this, like the potential for uh, Drew Locke to have a good season is definitely there. Hey, Adam, I guess six times a charm for uh, John Elway to find his quarterback. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think he's found one with, uh, with Drew Locke in, in, in five games last year. He was very, very impressive. Over a thousand yards passing, seven touchdowns three interceptions for the kid out of Missouri. And I think there are better options out there than, than Drew Locke. I think there's more proven options out there than Drew Locke. But I think in a, in a two QB, I think he provides really good value from where for where he's going. He's going at 144th overall right now, which is basically round 13, round 14. So I look at Drew Locke and I, and I say to myself, it's a 23-year-old kid. He's going to be a first-year full-time starter for the Denver Broncos. And you mentioned it, Adam. He's got a ton of weapons. They recently brought in Melvin Gordon on a massive contract for some ungodly reason. They have Philip Lindsay there, who we'll talk about that running back situation in a minute. Cortland Sutton had a huge year last year. Then you bring in Jerry Judy to be the number two receiver in Denver. And then you have Noah Fant there, who many people have penciled in as one of the breakout tight ends for 2020 I think it's written in the stars really for Drew Locke to have a a very good year for 
the Denver Broncos. Do I think he is close to being a top 12 quarterback? No, no. I, I, I have him, I have him down as my QB 22. So he's basically a middle of the road slash low end QB two in a two quarterback league. You know, you take him if you're in a deep, you know, 12 or 14, 16 team league, and you're looking for a backup quarterback with massive amounts of, up, of upside. Drew Locke is that quintessential guy, really. Um, I have him down for 3,900 3, passing yards. I'll say 3,907. I'll just say 3,900, but 3,907. 30, 30, yeah, there we go. Uh, 23 touchdowns. 11 interceptions and then I have him I have him being pretty good with his legs as well. I have him down for 53 53 attempts, so you want to call it scrambles, carries, whatever you want to call it. 53 attempts, 53 rushing attempts for 207 rushing yards and I have him down for two rushing touchdowns. So overall, I think we're in for a very solid year from uh, from Drew Locke and uh yeah, I mean I think the kid is insanely talented. And he's going to have an opportunity to uh, to really show his stuff with a Denver offense that really is is looking like it has a ton of potential in the next two or three years to be one of the best offensive groups in the National Football League. Yeah, no, it, uh, I mean it all falls uh, falls on top of the quarterback to uh, make that next step in in year two. Let's move on to the running backs. This are we are we still waiting scenario. for Sam Donald to make that next step? Yes. No, he's already amazing. He's already amazing. Yeah, he's already my favorite. See, I think I think Sam Donald is gonna end up being like Mark Sanchez. I highly doubt that. No, 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 not like that, not like that. Jets fans are gonna defend him until there is no possible way to defend him anymore. Mark Sanchez's Jets career died with the butt fumble. I'm just waiting to see what does in Sam Donald. What re- what ridiculous thing comes up and dooms Sam Darnold as being a potential franchise quarterback for the Jets, which the Jets have not had since Joe Namath? Oh, wait, we had Kenny O'Brien. Chad Pennington. Oh, we had Chad Pennington. Oh, we had Vinny Testaverde. I, Sam Darnold, I think, has already surpassed Mark Sanchez because Mark Sanchez was just coasting on the talent of the rest of the team. But Sam Darnold has done more with less. Who would you say is coasting more on the talent of their team? Guy we'll be talking about uh, later in the week, Jimmy Garoppolo or Mark Sanchez? Uh, I'd say Mark Sanchez. Ooh, that's a hot take. That's a hot take. Is it though? No, Jimmy Garoppolo is a better quarterback than Mark Sanchez. But Mark Sanchez is a better quarterback than Marcus Mariota. Who we, will, we will be talking about his football team in this episode, but you will not catch not me him. dead. You will not catch me dead saying a word about Marcus Mariota. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to the running backs, please. Surely. This weird. Uh, wow. What clusterfuck? Clusterfuck. This weird clusterfuck that's going on in Denver. They signed Melvin Gordon. Philip Lindsay's here. Is Royce Freeman still here? Yep. He's still uh, here. I don't understand. What does John Elway not see in Philip Lindsay that caused him to sign Melvin Gordon to a huge contract? I have some breaking news. I just yes. got I just got this. Um, so a, a, a couple things. 
Um, Mark Ingram is expected to be the leader of a committee. Okay. With J.K. Dobbins being a big part in their offense. So Mark Ingram in a committee. Oh, God. And. 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 Marlon Mack will be the starter for the Indianapolis Colts. What? Yeah. Jonathan Taylor will start out as the backup to Marlon Mack. Well, it'll be interesting to see how long that lasts. I give it three weeks. Yeah. Until Marlon Mack gets inevitably hurt. But, yes, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I was sorry to, uh, to interrupt you. Uh, go ahead and finish your, uh, your manifesto there, Adam. I was going to say, I just don't see what uh, John Elway doesn't see in Phil Lindsay that he signed Melvin Gordon. It's like you have I can to tell you what it is. What is it? It's Phil Lindsay, who's an undrafted free agent with no draft pedigree, versus Melvin Gordon, who was drafted in the first round. So John Elway said, oh, let's pay the guy that was drafted in the first round like a top five running back in the league. Because that makes a ton of sense. Because we have we have no other holes on our football team. So let's just give eight million dollars to a running back. Can he play tackle? Because <laughs> <laughs> they need more help at tackle. He he could be the head coach if if something happens to Vic Fangio. Oh my god! It just doesn't make any sense. It really, really, really doesn't make any sense. No, I mean. Regardless, he's the guy now because you're paying him so much money. You can't you can't just put him on the bench. It it, has, it doesn't make any sense to me. It really it really really doesn't. And I, I mean, think it's basically that was evaporated Royce Freeman's fantasy value. What yeah. little of it there was. Yeah, Royce Freeman, Royce Freeman has absolutely no fantasy value. But I think the people that were you know big on Philip Lindsay that decided to keep him after 20 after his breakout 2018 or just like the fuck John Elway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's just start with Melvin Gordon. This is a projection that I'm just so unsure of because they're paying him to be a top five running back. Right. But he's going to be in a committee. Right. Right. But you would think that if anybody's getting the, the high leverage, touches it's going to be melvin gordon you you would at least expect so when it comes down to what i project from him i think he's going to be in a committee with 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 philip Lindsay. and i just don't know if this situation that put it this way phil Lindsay has standalone value melvin gordon has standalone value together you're perfect Together, if you get if you draft Melvin Gordon, you better get Philip Lindsay. You, you, you better get him. If you don't get Philip Lindsay and you're stuck with Melvin Gordon in a committee by him, just by himself, his standalone value, Melvin Gordon, he's going to be annoying. He, he's going to be yeah. really, really annoying. So I have I have Melvin Gordon down for 210 carries, for 848 yards, eight touchdowns. And I sprinkled in 46 receptions for 343 receiving yards and one receiving touchdown. So overall, nine total touchdowns from Melvin Gordon, over 1,000 yards from scrimmage, which I haven't penciled in right now as my RB16. I think it's good. that's good enough to be a middle-of-the-road uh, RB2. Yeah. Yeah, I think that 
I mean, you say they do have standalone value, but I think that if you're focusing on the way, if basically your success with either Melvin Gordon or Philip Lindsay are based on the whims of the Broncos offensive coordinator, then it's, it's a recipe for disaster. Cause the one thing that people love in fantasy above all else is certainty. Adam, do you know who the, who the Broncos offensive coordinator is? I don't actually. It is Pat Shermer. Oh, really? Pat Shermer is known, known for all of his stints to be a one back guy. So that could help Melvin Gordon and yes. really kill Philip Lindsay. Well, the interesting thing is, is that I think in a couple of his stints, he only had one good running back anyway. He didn't really have a, it wasn't really a committee. Cause in Minnesota, that is also true. In Minnesota, it wasn't really a committee. The Giants had Saquon. Who was the running back in Cleveland when he was there? Was that the Peyton Hillis? It was here? no. It was uh, Isaiah Crowell. Oh, yeah. So, and, and even now, and yeah. even Pat Shermer did did give Isaiah Crowell a, a pretty decent run. I mean, you're very familiar with Isaiah Crowell. Please please provide us with your thoughts about Isaiah Crowell, He's, former former Cleveland Brown and New York Jet. He was kind of all right on the Jets. I would say I would say the, the 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 most decent running back that you've had probably since Curtis Martin. Why are we actually, doing this? That actually did something for you was Chris Ivory. Well, I mean that was five years ago. Is that fair to say though? I probably yeah. Or or Bilal Powell, every, everybody's favorite New York Jet. Oh, Bilal Powell would have been a Hall of Famer if he was just used. He just should have been used. He should have been know, used. I, I don't know why you're doing this. It's kind of weird. Everybody, everybody, talk, everybody wants to talk about Bilal Powell. I mean, he's a great. I mean, you, I literally had very, a conversation. I had a conversation. Utilized. I had a conversation with a New York Jets fan literally last night with Bilal Powell in it, trying to prove a point about how Bilal Powell was underused throughout his entire time in New York. He was. Blau Powell is a nice crutch for, for Jets fans to just fall back on to really represent the flaws and failures of their franchise. He was, he was underutilized. He was pretty good when he was, uh, when he was there. but And Quincy Anuna would have been Jerry Rice if he had stayed healthy. Uh, that's a bit. God, I don't even know. Who are you talking to? <laughs> no, the, no the, the, this is just my own hypothesis about, what New York, about how New York Jets, th- New York Jets fans think. When they are talking about their Listen, football team, at most times. of them are no, most of them are dumb. I'm kind of, coming from a Jets fan. Most of them don't know what they're talking about. Sam Darnold would be Joe Montana only if he had better receivers. Uh, let's talk about Philip Lindsay. So we talked about Melvin Gordon. Don't the, take this out on me. I'm not taking I, it on you. Never. I didn't say anything. I think Philip Lindsay is going to have a role to play. I, me personally, I do. I have him down for 145 carries, 637 rushing yards, five rushing touchdowns, and then I have 35 receptions for 227 receiving yards and one receiving touchdown. So I, my projections basically have this as, you know, you're giving the high leverage touches to Melvin Gordon. But overall, I think this is, this is a full-blown committee, and they're just going to ride the hot hand, I think, one week. 
It could be a Philip Lindsay week. And the other week could be Melvin Gordon week. So it, it's just a very dangerous game that you want to play if you're going to go and invest in this Broncos backfield. I know that the age-old debate really has been who would you rather have out of Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell, Leonard Fournette, um, guys that are just sort of going in that low-end RB2 range. I could tell you right now, I think just based on you know my overall thinking and not wanting to really be a part of a committee, um, I think – that I would rather have Le'Veon Bell just because I think he's, he's, he's so uber safe. Yeah. Here's, here's one. And I, I want to hear your take on this because I'll, I'll give you my take before we move on to the receivers. Cause I don't want to ramble too much. Rank these guys in terms of their floor, their floor. Okay. Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell, Leonard Fournette. From, I want to hear yours, and then I'll give you mine. From for this upcoming for this upcoming season. From highest to lowest. Or yeah, lowest so to highest. We could do yeah, just do it. Uh, safest to not safest. Okay. Um. Leonard Fournette, Le'Veon Bell, um, Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley. I have it the exact same way. I just flipped the top two. Yeah. Le'Veon Bell, Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley. Now, give me who has the highest ceiling, highest to lowest out of those four. Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette. Um, Leonard Fournette, Le'Veon Bell. Actually, no. Actually, no. No, no, no. Leonard Fournette. Todd Gurley, <laughs> um, Le'Veon Bell, Melvin Gordon. Wow. We're complete opposite on that one. I have it. Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette, Le'Veon Bell. I have it the complete opposite. Just flip, flip my safe list to highest ceiling. That's it. I think Todd Gurley has the highest ceiling out of all of them. He has a, he has a high ceiling, but... It's the it's the uh, arthritis. Right, he's not gets, safe. That gets me. He's not safe. His his range of outcomes is literally a million miles apart from each other. I think if if his ceiling is what he was two years ago, then yeah, sure. But you know that the ceiling his ceiling has gone down with this chronic injury, so that's why I I don't have him as high as you do. Well, I think if we're if we're putting just usage to the test, Atlanta could just use him and say, "All right, we'll, rush, we'll run him to the ground for one year." And if that's the case, he could be in for a solid year. That's pending. Pending he holds up. Pending he yes. holds up, which is that's also a, uh, a never a guarantee with uh, with Todd Gurley. But yeah, let's move on to the wide receivers before we uh, ramble on for too long. Uh, it's Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Yep, that's it. I haven't even heard of half of these guys. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Corlin Sutton had, was the number one in this offense last year. Uh, Jerry Judy, the highly touted prospect out of Alabama, drafted in the first round, which was a phenomenal piece of drafting by the Broncos to have him uh, fall into their lap. And uh, do you think Jerry Judy is in the same situation as all the other rookies where he's going to be held back by the lack of training camp 
I think for the receivers, it's a little bit different just because, you know, their jobs are learning the playbook, um, getting a rapport with the quarterback. Uh, It's different, but I think it's also very much the same. Uh, I'm not as concerned about the receivers because I think, you know, it's, it's very easy to incorporate receivers in on the fly because their jobs really are, you know, contend against corners, learn the jobs against, you know, how corners like to defend you, you know, what kind of coverages they want to run, reading the defenses, things like that. And, and, you know, it's very easy for an offensive coordinator to just run his first round pick out there and just say, you know, Hey, run a, run a post, you know, do what you got to do. And that's, you know, just a textbook route that any receiver, you know, knows how to run. Whereas for a running back, for example, you know, they have to learn the ins and outs of their offensive lines. They have to learn protections. They have to learn, you know, how the offensive line likes, likes to block, uh, how the quarterback likes to hand the ball off, you know, the ins and outs and, and all of that. So I think the receivers, it's definitely an easier learning curve than the running backs, but both are going to be equally as difficult. But I think with Jerry Judy, he is just so immensely talented that I think he just has a role to play right away for, for the Broncos as the number two to this guy's number one, Mr. Cortland Sutton. Yeah. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on Cortland Sutton? Real quick? I love him. I absolutely love him. This is a guy that I think really got the opportunity to work with Drew Locke a lot last year. And I think at the end of the day, talent definitely will show itself. And Drew Locke is going to give Cortland Sutton every ounce of opportunity to perform. And I, me personally, I think that Cortland Sutton is a lock for being a thousand yard receiver. He was a thousand yard receiver last year. And I think he should be a thousand yard receiver again. My issue is I just have him down, his numbers down a tick because of Jerry Judy. And that does affect where I have him in my rankings. I have him down as my wide receiver 21. But at the end of the day, I think that those numbers could come up. And I think he can outperform his projections, no doubt about it, but you have to give something to Jerry Judy. And there's only one football, as you'd love to say, Adam. There's, I do only, like one, to say there's only one football to be thrown around. And, you know, Cortland Sutton's going to take a little bit of a hit from it. So I have Cortland Sutton down for 69 nice receptions for 1,056 receiving yards and seven touchdowns. So I have the, yard, I have the receptions going down a smidge. I have the yards going down a smidge, and I have the touchdowns going up by one. So overall, I think, you know, Cortland Sutton, you're talking about as a wide receiver too. You know, I think he's going to be safe. I think there's going to be weeks that he will bomb you for sure. But then there will be other weeks where I think he he can perform for uh, for your teams. But it's just picking and choosing the matchups, uh, when, to, uh, when to start him, when to sit him. Uh, if it matters to anybody, I know a lot of people have been liking the strength of schedule. Uh, information that has been passed along with uh, the Basin Talk podcast fantasy show. Uh, Cortland Sutton has the sixth toughest strength of schedule Ooh. for wide receivers. So he, he he's in for a little bit of a uh, – uh, he's in for much tougher competition this year, but it's a, it, it'll be a good sign for, for Cortland Sutton going up against better better corners. So, Yep. How do you think this affects Noah Fant? Well, Noah Fan, I have as a breakout, so you're, we're going to see how I feel about Noah Fan in a, in a minute. Well, that's that's what I mean. I mean, I'm asking. Just, oh, 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 I didn't even give my thoughts on Jerry Judy yet. 
Oh well, yeah. Then then go for it. Go for someone. It. Someone's looking to jump the gun and get to uh, Noah Fant. Do you have a uh, Do you have a, a a crush on Noah Fant, Adam? No, I thought that we were when I asked about Jerry Judy. I thought you gave some of your thoughts on him, but uh, clearly I you give my not. projections real quick, and then we can move on to Noah Fant because we did talk about Jerry Judy a, a whole bunch. Uh, my favorite receiver coming out of the draft. I think that this kid is just so immensely talented. We talk about. Uh, the universities and how they're, you know, they're factories of something. Georgia has the running backs. Iowa has the tight ends. Iowa has the offensive line. Wisconsin has the offensive line. Alabama is the factory of wide receivers. AJ Green. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, Julio Jones, Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley. And now you have Jerry Judy, who I think, I think is, is better. Also another receiver that we're going to be talking about next Oh, Henry Ruggs. Yeah, that's true. That is that is very true. Um, I think Jerry Judy, his talent is this guy could be the best receiver in football. That That is his potential. He is that good. I think this kid is going to be in for a very productive season, but he's not someone that I am willing to go in a redraft and go out of my way to get. I think in a keeper league, Dynasty, he's being drafted. He's being drafted in rookie drafts. You know, I don't, need, I don't need to talk about that, of course. But in keeper leagues, I think if if you're looking to get him at a, at a value, you know, for keeper value, then yeah, you go you go ahead and draft him. Absolutely. I have Jerry Judy down for 58 catches for 746 receiving yards and four receiving touchdowns. So at the end of the day, he gives you he gives you some nice production. I think if anything happens to Cortland Sutton, then Jerry Judy. His ceiling it just goes whew, through the roof, um, but for now, you know, I have I have him, you know, as as a as a flex, as a, as a flex in PPR uh, in a three receiver league. Maybe he will find an opportunity to crack into your uh, into your lineup, but he's just not someone that I'm really willing to go and, uh, and invest in at this current moment in time, unless you know you're looking for someone with with you know, real upside in the 10th, 11th round, which is where he's going. His ADP right now is 104th overall. As for Mr. Noah Fant, and this is one of my favorite tight ends for this year. I look at his numbers from a year ago, only had 40 receptions for 562 yards, but it was how he did it and what he did when Drew Locke came in. And the one game that really stands out is the game against the Houston Texans. Four catches for 113 yards and a touchdown. That is a breakout-style game from Noah Fant, which came with Drew Locke at the helm. So it really shows that Drew Locke wants to throw the ball to Noah Fant and get the tight end incorporated into the offense for the Denver Broncos. So what do I have him down, and why would I say that he's such a big breakout? Because he is just so freaking talented. And he was a first-round pick by the Broncos. They're going to utilize him. And I think, again, the sky is the limit for someone like Noah Fan. I have him down right at my QB1, QB2 line. He's my tight end 12. And his numbers that I haven't projected for, they are very, very solid. And they can constitute a breakout given certain conditions. I have Noah Fant down for 59 receptions for 668 receiving yards. Sorry, I couldn't give him one more. I do sincerely apologize to to all the people out there. 
and five receiving touchdowns. So overall, I think that's a breakout. That's someone that you know we're talking about um, a lot of fantasy players this year really wanting to wait on tight end, go for guys like Hayden Hurst, Mike Kosicki, Noah Fant. This is the kind of numbers you that you would expect for someone that you're gonna wait you're gonna wait on, and if he can give you those numbers then that's a fantastic return from a guy that's going in the 10th, 11th round right now. His ADP right now is he's going 102nd overall. So Noah Fant's going 102, and Jerry Judy is going 104. Yeah, no, definitely. It's nice to see that the tight end crop of the NFL is getting – there's a bit more depth to it than there was a couple of years ago where it was literally just five tight ends and everybody else. So, Yeah. This guy, Noah Fant, definitely going to be a sleeper going into the 2020 season. And if Drew Locke, you know, likes to throw to the tight ends as much as he did last year, then yeah, Noah Fant's going to have a breakout. Looks like looks increasingly likely that's going to be the case. All right, next team, the Las Vegas Raiders, a name that I still have not gotten used to, but give it time; it'll take a while. Playing in their new digs at uh, was it called Allegiant Field in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada? Yes, Allegiant Field. Yep. And they're bringing back their big money quarterback, Derek Carr, who has been pretty inconsistent or just not all that great since his horrific injury in 2016 that uh, cut his season short where he was doing so well and then uh, and he broke his leg and then that was the end of that. But, yeah, I, I'm not crazy about him for fantasy, even though he his supporting cast around him has improved. But, yeah, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? See, here's a common misconception about Derek Carr is that he was bad last year. He was bad for fantasy last year, but when it came to his actual numbers – he was very good for, for the Raiders, and that's what people just don't understand is he had the highest QB rating of his career last year. He had the highest completion percentage of his career last year. He threw for the most yards in his career last year. The only number really that came down for him and was pedestrian were his touchdown numbers. He only threw 21 touchdowns last year. Eight interceptions were the second lowest number of his career. His yards per attempt the most of his career. So Derek Carr really was, he was great last year, but for fantasy, he just is not great because he's very, very average. And yes, Derek Carr is going to give you a game where he is going to blow up and people are going to just add him like crazy and say, oh, this is the Derek Carr we've all been waiting on. Not so fast. I, I, I don't think that Derek Carr is a, He's not a fantasy-relevant quarterback. In two, in two Q, Q, QQB leagues, yes, absolutely. You know, that's, that's for every quarterback. I feel like I repeat myself when we talk about the, you know, the quarterbacks, especially the ones that are maybe as pedestrian as Derek Carr, is that you know, they only have value in two QB leagues. Well, it's true. All the quarterbacks have value in, in two QB leagues. But in redraft leagues that are 12 teams and, and shallower, uh, I would be staying away from from Derek Carr. I mean, if you want to take him as a as a you know very very low upside backup, then go ahead and do it. But 
he's just not someone that's going to inspire any confidence, especially if you have to play him. Uh, that would just be not good. So I have Derek Carr down for 3,727 passing yards with 23 passing touchdowns, nine interceptions, and then I gave him a rushing touchdown just sprinkled in there as well. So at the end of the day, it's a very solid stat line for Derek Carr in terms of, you know, in real life. But for fantasy, it just it doesn't equate to being someone that's valuable. Yeah, well, I, I mean, that's what we're focused on here on the fantasy show, the Basement Talk Podcast fantasy show. Fantasy. Yes, this is this is fantasy. It is not real life, but it's only based in reality. That is true. Uh, yeah, uh, that's 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 like some like Inception shit. Yeah, I was trying to throw on me. I was trying to fit in a uh, Bohemian Rhapsody quote, but it just it, it just didn't uh, come through here. <laughs> just did not, just didn't do it. But. Uh, yeah, Derek Carr is kind of just like, he's just average. That's the, the whole bit of it. Uh, moving on here to the running backs. Josh Jacobs is certainly not average. No, no, he's not. Not even close to being average. And basically his competition has gotten even thinner with DeAndre Washington moving on to the division rival Kansas City Chiefs. And basically the only running back that's going to be behind him that's worth talking about is Jalen Richard. And this is a, this is a one running back room. Basically it's Josh Jacobs or go home. And uh, Josh Jacobs is one of those guys that is great on the ground. He doesn't have as much um, upside catching the ball, but uh, he's definitely going to be a thousand yard rusher uh, this season with the amount of like usage he's going to be getting. I love Josh Jacobs this year. Me too. I mean, there was a report that came out a while ago that said that John Gruden, and this is such a John Gruden thing, that he would do this, and it's very, very believable, that John Gruden is so pissed off that Josh Jacobs did not win Rookie of the Year that he is just going to feed Josh Jacobs just to prove a point. And that is... That is the most John Gruden thing I think I have ever heard in my life. I agree. That is so – that's a next-level petty. And, I mean, it's going to be beneficial for fantasy owners, definitely. Anybody that owns Josh Jacobs, yeah. I mean, this kid is explosive. This, this kid just knows what to do when he has the football in his hands. And I have him down for about 273 carries – for 1,198 rushing yards, so just shy of 1,200 yards for Josh Jacobs. 10 rushing touchdowns, 30 receptions for 233 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns. I have projected a monster season for Josh Jacobs, and I think this is a guy, this is a kid that at the end of the season is going to be a top five running back in both standard and in PPR. Wow. Well, I think people would say that PPR is standard. Well, standard, non-PPR, whatever whatever you want to call it. 
Non-PPR is for weirdos. Non-PPR is for weirdos, yes. And we've and been on this po- I think I feel like we've had this conversation a million, a million times in this podcast where if you are still playing non-PPR in 2020, you need to get your head examined quickly. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Josh Jacobs is going to have a great season. I think who – so my question when you say he's going to be – he's going to finish as a top five running back, uh, who do you think he's going to displace in the in that well, I mean, top five I list? Think at the end of the day, one of those guys, odds are, is going to get hurt. So if you're, if you're talking about um, – you know any any of the top four? You know between McCaffrey, Zeke, Barkley, Kamara, Cook. I would probably say that you know there's a chance that Saquon could miss a couple games, and that could hurt him. Uh, there's a shot for Dalvin Cook, you know, because yeah. Dalvin Cook at least misses one or two games every single year. Um, so I think either one of those guys could potentially drop out. But again, it all comes down to you know if if everybody's healthy then it's going to be a dogfight to be top five. But if, if there's one if there's one guy that should be top five that is missing one or two games, his value is going to take a hit and he won't finish top five because he played in 14 games versus someone like Josh Jacobs that played in 16. Yep. All right. Well, I mean, looking forward to that, <laughs> to see what happens there. It's going to be very interesting. Bold prediction. I'm, I'm yeah. taking it to Vegas. For the rate. Well, you are taking it to Vegas. You most certainly are. I'm all, glad you see what I did there. All the way to Allegiant Stadium. All right, moving on to the wide receivers. This is an interesting group here. Uh, wide receiver and tight end are, is a very interesting group because kind of it reminds me a bit of the uh, of the Broncos in the sense where they have established options, a potential breakout at tight end here, or I mean, some people think that he has already broken out. And then you have a highly touted prospect from the University of Alabama rounding out the uh, pass-catching room here. But do uh, you think Henry Ruggs III is going to be the guy in this offense? Yes. And to sort of dampen someone like Hunter Renfro, who mainly operated out of the slot last year, Henry Ruggs is now going to be the slot receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders. And that is bad news for Hunter Renfro because I just don't see a situation where Hunter Renfro survives being on the outside. So that is not good for Hunter Renfro in terms of his fantasy potential for 2020. But Henry Ruggs is the only receiver in this offense that I am relatively interested in. Uh, I have him down for 53 receptions for 705 receiving yards and five touchdowns. I mean, this kid is lightning quick. And, I mean, in two, three years, we'd be talking about this kid maybe being the new Tyreek Hill just because of how quick he is. He could just take, take a catch from the line of scrimmage and take it 75 yards to the house with ease. This is a kid that was running a high 4-2-40 at the combine to show you how quick he is. I mean, this is a guy that I think John Gruden is going to make sure that he gets every opportunity in the world to succeed in Las Vegas. He's the guy they want to build their passing game around. They want him to be the number one pass catcher for the Las Vegas Raiders. Darren Waller, of course, is a very big factor in all of this, but I think in two, three years' time, this will be a passing offense that in John Gruden's ideal scenario where uh, Henry Ruggs III is the number one pass catcher in this offense, 
for this year, that is not going to be the case because, of course, he's a rookie. But he's going to get every chance in the world to succeed and prove why the Raiders took him over Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb. Yes, definitely. I think he's definitely – I mean, the Raiders have a point to prove in that in that way because I think there are a lot of people that saw that as kind of a kind of a misstep that they took Henry Oaks III over Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb, two receivers that a lot of people perceive to uh, be better than Henry Ruggs III. And, I mean, it is unfortunate for Hunter Renfro because he did really well last year in the slot for the Raiders, and now basically he's, uh, his job has been uh, taken by uh, Henry Ruggs III. Yeah, he's going to learn, he's gonna have yeah. to learn to be an outside guy. It's interesting. Tyrell Williams, people thought that he was the next Tyree Kill because basically, give or take a couple letters, their names are very similar. <laughs> very, very similar. Oh, yeah. Tyrell Williams, next Tyree Kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't see it. They're, they're both fast. If that's all it takes, then... Tyrell Williams, fast. The guy is, the guy is a cinder block running down, running down the sideline. Tyree Kill, was, Tyree Kill is an Olympic sprinter. I know. And Tyrell Williams is a fucking truck running down the sideline. Where did I hear that? That he was fast. I'm thinking, probably thinking of somebody else. I would assume so. I hope so. Anywho. But other than that, uh, is there anything else you want to elaborate on uh, Darren Waller? Oh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Darren Waller. Um, yeah. Mr. Uh, my tight end five. Yeah. The guy's going to have a phenomenal season. Yeah. I think he's going to be, again, he's going to be the number one option in this offense for Derek the Carr loves tight ends. Las Vegas Raiders. Derek Carr has made a living out of turning tight ends into superstars. He did it with Jared Cook, and now he's doing it again with Darren Waller. I have him down for 77 receptions for 896 receiving yards and six receiving touchdowns. Yeah, I mean that that's a that's a great season for a uh, potential tight end five. You're definitely not going to get him in the same spot that you got him last year. No, and I don't I don't think he's going to have the the same sort of receiving output that he had last year. This is a guy that was nearly a 1,200 yard tight end last year. But the problem with Darren Waller was the touchdowns. He only had three touchdowns last year. So I think those numbers, the touchdown numbers, go up. And I think the receiving the receiving yards come back down. But if you really equate the yards coming down and the touchdowns going up, it's not as big of a gap as you know you potentially uh, think. I kind of see it as a net positive, it, considering that touchdowns are worth more than just pure receiving yards. Yeah, yeah so. no, it's true. All right, let's move on to the Los Angeles Chargers. Wow, we're we're very out of order. Are we? If we're going, if we're going in alphabetical order, we didn't do the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, that's right. Wow, wow. My name is Adam Caster. I am a self-pronounced radio professional. I have various degrees. I have a high-paying job at WFAN, high-paying job, number one sports radio station. Well, that one's kind of right, sort of. And I still don't know how the alphabet works. I do not. And my birthday is in 10 days, just to make that very clear. 
don't know why you didn't stop me then. You do you have a sleep? No, I just went along with it. Okay. See, you are you are the host of this show. You are the host. I think we're, I, e- we're equal in the show. Go, I, true. I go along with your vibe. I'm not going to be the one in the middle of your flow because you're you're just going. And other radio professionals don't cut off other radio professionals while they are in the middle of their vibe. You were you were steady vibe and you were on a nice track. You were all flowing very nice. And I honestly, I honestly, I will, I will, I'll put my hand down and I will say I did not realize that we missed the Chiefs if we were going in alphabetical order until we were on Henry Ruggs the third. Okay. Fair enough. But I mean, you, were, Chief- you were you you were rolling. You were rolling. You were you were, you were on on a nice track there. So I just let it be. Okay, it's fine. we could we could talk about the Chiefs last. Yeah, well, it's more fun that way because the Chiefs yeah, are we'll make, easy to talk about, and we'll make everybody wait. Yeah, nice little tease, nice little tease in the world the world of radio. We're all for teases here on the Basement Talk Podcast Venice Show. Yep, because everyone everyone's gonna want to hear about my take about Clyde Edwards Alaire. Yes. Oh God, this is gonna. It'll be more fun this way. Let's just say that. Let's just say some heads might be rolling. Yeah. Anyway. Good Judges. Judges. Oh, man, I really missed that. <laughs> Good Judges. So, uh, as we've talked about previously, Judges. the Chargers have a bit of a quarterback battle heading into training camp yes they do uh i think it's going to be one of those things where i think you agree with me on this that tyra taylor is going to be the starter week one yeah it's only a matter of time before something happens whether it be poor performance or injury where justin herbert is going to be thrown in to the fire but i think for both quarterbacks there is a there's ample opportunity to succeed with the amount of uh, weapons that they have. They have good, solid running backs in Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson, a standout number one, Keenan Allen, and uh, also a solid backup option in Mike Williams, and friend of the podcast, Hunter Henry at tight end. What a guy. Yeah, exactly. What a guy. We, we love Hunter Henry. But – I'm getting about a bit ahead of myself. Let's talk about the quarterbacks first. Surely. Uh, what, do you, what do you got for Justin Herbert and Tyrod Taylor? Um, I won't give any, any projections just because, you know, they're not really pertinent in this uh, situation. I will say that Tyrod Taylor, I believe, is going to be the guy for at least the first half of the season. They're not going to rush Justin Herbert in. So if they allow Tyrod to be the guy um, – He's going to be very pedestrian. You know, he, he gives, he'll give you some rushing upside. Uh, he'll throw some interceptions. He'll throw some touchdowns. Um, but apparently, um, and this has been good news for Mike Williams, Tyrod Taylor has really been hyping up Mike Williams and saying that he's just a guy you throw the ball up to, and 99 times out of 100, he's coming down with it. So potentially that's good news for Mike Williams. You know, he is uh, – He's been off the fantasy radar a little bit, but Tyrod Taylor talking him up, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a good sign for a kid that at least I thought that this kid had all the potential in the world and it just hasn't, you know, really clicked on a consistent level 
in the NFL. So I think Tyrod is the guy to start. I think we do see Justin Herbert at some point, but I don't think you know it's as soon as potentially people think. Uh, I think Anthony Lynn wants Justin Herbert to really sit, really learn uh, from a guy who's been there and done that in, in Tyrod Taylor. And I think eventually, you know, if the Chargers are, are well out of it uh, come the second half of the season, then, and yeah, maybe we do see Justin Herbert uh, come in and uh, be the guy for, uh, for the Chargers. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. I think it's probably going to be closer to like week five. I mean, it all depends on the Chargers performance. I don't know. Maybe uh, Anthony Lynn will get something like a, a notice from the higher ups. Like, Hey, listen, you know, we're, we're not doing well this season. Maybe you should put the kid in, see what's going on here. It'll, it'll be, his, it'll be his own call that he'll, uh, he'll have to, uh, he'll have to make as the head coach. Yeah. But uh, moving on to the running backs here, uh, Austin Eckler, had a great season filling in for the held out Melvin Gordon when he, for this part of the season that he was uh, gone. And then even when Melvin Gordon came back, he really surpassed him. So I, I have high hopes for Austin Eckler, especially since this is his backfield now. And yeah. What what were you going to say? I was going to say that, yeah, it should be Austin Eckler's backfield, but I'm looking at also Justin Jackson and Josh Kelly as two guys that can really come in and be the, uh, the power punch for the, uh, for the chargers. Cause Austin Eckler really isn't that power back, but I mean, we'll, we'll see, we'll see if he, uh, if he can repeat what he did last year, which again, Adam, as you said, he was terrific. Yeah, he was, he was really good. And how much do you think the quarterback play factors in to Austin Eckler? Cause it's it's a bit more mediocre now. You have a wild card in Justin Herbert. You don't know what he's going to be in the in the NFL, and then you have Tyrod Taylor, who is a proven quarterback, but has kind of waned in his uh, in his talent level, his skill level over these past couple of years. I think it's a very good point. I, I would be definitely concerned about the quarterback play because Philip Rivers, we all know, uh, was the guy to like dump it off to the running backs and give the running backs some receptions. I don't know if Tyrod Taylor is going to be is going to be the same guy. Nobody knows if Tyrod Taylor is going to be the uh, the same guy and really incorporate Austin Eckler in that sort of way. I mean, I would expect that the Chargers would want to include Austin Eckler and you know really give him what he's known to do, and that's be a pass catching running back. That's his forte, really. Um, but yeah, Austin Eckler is going. He's going to be great. If anything, he's going to give you a really nice floor with the with his receptions. I do think Tyrod Taylor does incorporate Austin Eckler into the passing game. So that will definitely help um, his relatively very safe floor like he had last year. Uh, I think this is a guy that gave you 15 points at least every single week. Uh, even when Melvin Gordon was back, Austin Eckler really did not you know, miss a beat last year. Um, and then what I think he does in terms of his rushing production, I think his rushing numbers are definitely going to go up. Uh, I think that he is the guy, kind of, in this offense, maybe just because well, like overall, he, he's the guy overall, no doubt. Over Keenan Allen. No, I'm talking about for the running game. Okay, yeah, I, no, that's that's definitely. I think I, I think he's so. The then guy. what's the hesitation? Justin Jackson is the hesitation. I'm a big fan of Justin Jackson. I'm a big, big, big fan. 
And I think this is a kid that if given the opportunity could really give a dent into what Austin Eckler is capable of, at least with his rushing numbers. But Justin Jackson, I don't have projections down for Justin Jackson, but what I will say for him is I believe Justin Jackson has standalone value. It's just going to require some patience with him. So if you're in the later part of drafts and you're sitting there and you don't know what to do with a late-round pick and Justin Jackson is there, take him. Take him. Listen to me. Take Justin Jackson if he is there. But as for Austin Eckler, I have him down four. 173 carries for 757 rushing yards, five rushing touchdowns. And then I also have him down for 69 nice receptions for 683 receiving yards and five receiving touchdowns. So overall, 10 total touchdowns for Austin Eckler, just over 1,400 yards from scrimmage, which should return nice value as an RB2. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And maybe maybe even a low-end RB1 in PPR for uh, – maybe even a low-end RB1 in PPR. Is that like a bet? I guess that's a best-case scenario for you? Best-case best case scenario, he proves me wrong that he's a true power back and he could be a 1,000-yard rusher with 70-something receptions and we're talking about him being a top-five running back. Okay. That's, that's best-case scenario for Austin Eckler. Yeah. But his floor, his floor is RB2. That's, that's the main appeal with Austin Eckler is that I think he is so incredibly safe. That, yeah, no, definitely. That's, with, uh, with upside. That's yes. the difference between someone like Le'Veon Bell that we know is very safe. He's very vanilla. He's very boring. But he'll get you 12 points every single week from carries, from his receptions. Le'Veon Bell will get, will get you that. But he doesn't offer that high ceiling. Austin Eckler does. Austin Eckler will give you that steady floor of 15 points every single week, and then he'll have games where he'll put up 30, 35, and people will be like, yep, Austin Eckler, here we go. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, moving on to the wide receivers here. Keaton Allen, I think we talked about this in our hot take show, that you were not as high on Keenan Allen as you were previously, correct? You think he's fallen off? as far as rankings are concerned. Yeah. Yes. I think it's mainly due to the change in quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Figures. Makes sense. It's, the only, it's really the only value uh, variable that's changed in the uh, Chargers for, that affects Keenan Allen. Uh, I don't know. How far do you think he's going to fall as far as rankings and numbers and things of that nature? I mean, I have him down as my wide receiver 23, so I have him just inside being a uh, a wide receiver two, but he's a very, very, very low-end wide receiver two. Huh. Man, I mean, so weird. He's, going, he's going right now at 47th overall, so he's basically going at the round four, round five turn. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's good. Like, if he turns out to uh, be solid this year, I mean, that's good value for Keenan Allen. Yeah, and to be completely honest with you, I, I mean, I think that his projection, it gives a different signal to his overall ranking for me because his projections are, are phenomenal, especially in, in PPR. 
88 catches, 1,502, 1,052 receiving yards, and six touchdowns. I mean, that's a very solid year for for Keenan Allen as a guy that I have as my wide receiver 23. Now that I'm thinking about it, I could move him up, move him up into the top 20. Yeah. Yeah, he's, definitely. He's, he's just he, again, he's another guy that is just so mega safe. And you know that Keenan Allen, especially with a a quarterback that is on the downhill of his career, and then you have a, a rookie coming in. I think they're going to rely on their more established guys in this offense. And Keenan Allen is the guy. He is the guy. Yeah. I think the fact that Keenan Allen also is, there isn't really much competition behind him. Michael Williams is going to get you something, but I don't think it's going to like massively eat into Keenan Allen's production uh, production. And speaking of like, you know, the established guys like Justin Herbert and Tyra Taylor are going to be looking at Austin Eckler. They're going to be looking at Keenan Allen and they're going to be looking definitely at Hunter Henry. If Hunter Henry can stay healthy. Hunter, Hunter, Hunter. Friend of the show. Hunter Henry. Friend of the podcast. What a guy. But yeah, I, I think that Keenan Allen's, it's kind of like a theme with the charges where they have these, uh, these safe floors, the high floors, and honestly, I mean, if the quarterback play ends up being good, they have high ceilings as well. Um, but the one thing that's interesting about Hunter Henry, I don't know if you want to talk about Mike Williams, but we can move on to. I mean, Hunter I'll give Henry. you a quick, I'll give you a quick projection for uh, for Mike Williams. Let me just uh, let me just find him on my ranks. Here we go. Uh, I have Mike Williams down for this upcoming season. I have him down for fifty-one receptions for 827 receiving yards and five receiving touchdowns. Yeah. That's it's all right. Nothing to Not great. Yeah. Not great, but but if Tyrod Taylor is going to throw to him in the red zone and he's going to be the guy to go up and catch some touchdowns and that those those receptions, those yards are the same, but those touchdowns go up to 8 or 9. That might have something there. Yeah. Um, so the thing about, uh, about Hunter Henry, uh, I think Tyra Taylor is kind of like, he's into throwing to his, uh, tight ends. Uh, David Njoku had a solid beginning of the season when Tyra Taylor started for the Browns for a couple games in 2018. Uh, Charles Clay made a, gave himself a pretty good career with the Buffalo Bills when Tyra Taylor was starting where for the Bills for a couple of years. But I think the the real question about Hunter Henry is health, where Hunter Henry missed almost the entirety of the 2018 season, save for the divisional round against New England. And then he was out for a couple weeks last year with uh, with a knee injury. So you just have to monitor the health of Hunter Henry and take it from there. Because he has the potential to be a solid tight end, like a top five tight end, maybe even. If he if he's healthy, plays for 16 games, certainly a top 10 tight end. But it's just if he plays for 16 games. I have Hunter Henry down as my tight end eight. Um, 
and Adam, you hit the nail on the head. If he's healthy, this is a guy that really should be very, very, very productive. But health is the question with Hunter Henry. I have him down right now for 66 receptions for 705 receiving yards and six touchdowns. So at the end of the day, we're talking Hunter Henry being a guy that should be very productive and should be a middle-of-the-road uh, tight end one. Yeah, I mean, you, gotta, you like that from uh, Hunter Henry. And yeah, dra- and it, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. If you draft him, you got to get a good backup, though. Yes, yes, 100%. And it also, it also helps, and you made a good point when you said that Tyrod Taylor really did utilize uh, David Njoku. You know, the only real good season of David Njoku's career did come with Tyrod Taylor being the guy. So uh, maybe Tyrod will really have the uh, have the ball really going to uh, to Hunter Henry when uh, when needed. So, I mean, he's gone right now. His ADP is basically right in the middle of the seventh round. Uh, I think that's fine. You know, after you're talking about Darren Waller off the board, uh, the top tight ends off the board, Andrews, Ertz, Kittle, and Kelsey, after they're off the board, uh, you're talking like the middle of the road sort of tight ends before you get to like the deep, the, the sleeper tight ends. Uh, Hunter Henry is uh, is your guy. I, I mean, I've seen I've seen some people want to argue that you know Rob Gronkowski should be going above Hunter Henry, and I just roll my eyes and say you're God. out of your mind. That is so ridiculous, ludicrous, unbelievable. Rob Gronkowski, he of a of a tight end committee. Should we be going above Hunter Henry? It's not me. I know it's not you. I, I know. It's just ludicrous. It's unbelievable. <sighs> Last team, the Kansas City Chiefs. And this is, I mean, maybe it's because I forgot about the Kansas City Chiefs, but I did want to talk about them. But it is interesting that we're talking about them last because there is some stuff that we need to talk about for the Kansas City Chiefs. And some of it is things that we talked about before with the uh, running back situation. But, I mean, this team, defending Super Bowl champions, um, probably like one of the best offenses in football, coming back with the best quarterback in football, arguably for some people, especially arguably the best quarterback in fantasy. And um, I don't know. I don't see too much like regression for this offense. I don't think that it was like the chiefs were playing out of their minds. This is just how good they are. And this is kind of what we're going to expect from the Kansas city chiefs, but let's talk about Patrick Mahomes real quick. And this is going to be a very easy, easy, easy segment, which is just Patrick Mahomes is really good. You should draft him. I mean, the only question really for Patrick Mahomes is where you should draft him. Because you can make an yeah. argument for drafting him in like the second round. You know, I want to read his projections and then we can have that conversation. So uh, I have Patrick Mahomes down for 4,700 yards, 37 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, have him down for around 60 rushing attempts for 322 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns, almost 40 total touchdowns from Patrick Mahomes. Okay, great. Where would you take Patrick Mahomes? If you know this is a guy that you know could be a 40 total touchdown guy, where are you taking Patrick Mahomes? ADP right now is number 14 off the board. He's going in the high end of the second round. 
There's no chance. There's no chance I take him there. No shot in hell. I'd rather have a running back or a wide receiver. Agreed. So, where would you take Patrick Mahomes? Where, if you know that this guy is a 40 total touchdown guy, would you take him end of round two? No. Would you take him beginning of round three? No. I'd take him end of round three. End of round three. Okay. So, I saw apprehension. So, I'll give you some names. Okay. Leonard Fournette or Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes. Okay, I would take Patrick Mahomes as well. Melvin Gordon or Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes. Interesting. Robert Woods or Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes. Wow. So you would take him beginning of round three because these are all guys that are going at the beginning of round three. Okay. Then, yeah, I'd say round three just in general. Two more for you. Okay. Odell Beckham or Patrick Mahomes? I'd take... Oh, wow. This is really... Mm, I'd take Odell Beckham. Ooh, wow. Interesting. So then you would definitely take this guy over, over Mahomes. No doubt about it. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster or Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, I'd take... Juju over Patrick Mahomes. I think the only guy, the only guy out of that, out of those that I would take over, um, that I would take Mahomes, I would take over Mahomes, is Juju and Robert Woods. Those are the two guys that I would take over Mahomes. Oh, the rest I would take Mahomes. Yes. So I would take I would take him top of round three. Yeah, because wouldn't be ideal. Wouldn't be. I would not be too thrilled with it. But I, I, I should rephrase. Of course, I would be thrilled to have Patrick Mahomes, obviously. But there are, just, there are just other positions that I would want to fill. You're not drafting in a vacuum. It's no. not just you making picks. No. You have to worry. You have to think about what other people are going to be doing. Right, and you have if to you think about up, what's going to be there for you the next round, the, yeah. end, the end of round four. Right. And, you know, you're, you're looking at someone like, you know, may, maybe David Johnson will get to you. Maybe Todd Gurley will get to you. Those are real guys. You know, you, you, I've been doing a lot of research, obviously, you know, for, for drafts. And really, it comes down to you have about three and a half rounds in redraft leagues where, you ha- where you're taking guys that are going to be rock solid. It's about three and a half, three and three quarters. Then you get to the fourth, and then that's when it starts getting dicey. That's when you have guys where you could say, oh, but he has this, and oh, this is happening to him, and that could really hurt him a bit. So it, it definitely gets dicey there. So you got to really think, if you're taking Patrick Mahomes at the top of round three, what question mark guy could you be getting in round four? Yeah. Here's one for you. Here this is an interesting one because these are two positions that are commodity positions. Travis Kelsey or Patrick Mahomes. I fucking knew you were going to do something like this. Travis Kelsey or Patrick Mahomes. I know who I would rather have. Ah, is this still in like the third round? Yes. Or yes. I'd rather have 
Travis Kelsey. I agree. I yeah. agree with you 100%. I'd rather have Travis Kelsey. 100%. All right. So we are, uh, we're level there. Okay. Because like Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Let's be real. He's like, he's got greatest of all time potential here. It, but you can wait for a quarterback in fantasy and you could still be good for yeah. that. Yeah. You could still true. like be happy if you get somebody like Josh Allen or even if you wait later and get like Russell Wilson or Dak Prescott or Matt Ryan, then, or Drew Brees, then yeah, sure. Cool. But drafting Patrick Mahomes that early, sure. You get the high floor, but you're, you're passing on, on a position that maybe is thinner or a position that you, that's more important from a fantasy perspective when you draft a quarterback that high. Yeah, you're right. And I also, I also think that having a, having a positional advantage at tight end is better than having a positional advantage at quarterback. I think there's more of a discrepancy between the elite tight ends and the not so elite tight ends more so than there is from the elite quarterback to the not so elite quarterbacks. I think we're talking maybe a 30, 40 point difference versus the elite tight end and the not elite tight end. You could be talking 60, 70 points. Yeah. Well, I mean, I could definitely be swayed to the other side of that argument. I would, I would hear it. There, there, there's no wrong answer. There, there, there really, really no is wrong no answer. wrong answer. Because they're two phenomenal, phenomenal players. But let's move on to this is going to be fun because I know that you've been waiting for this for a while. Talking about the running backs of the Kansas City Chiefs. And the fact that, you know, we talked about a couple weeks ago that Damian Williams is opted out of the season and Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to be the starting running back with uh, Raiders cast off. DeAndre Washington in the backup spot. And the fact of the matter is people that are drafting Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the first round are out of their minds. I agree. People that are expecting Clyde Edwards Hilaire to just be Damian Williams, but younger are crazy. Not even that people are expecting Clyde Edwards Hilaire to be Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott year one. You think this guy's fucking Bo Jackson? He's not. He's a rookie, first of all. He's a rookie in a weird season where there's no training camp, there's no preseason. Second of all, Andy Reid doesn't really enjoy using one running back necessarily. He uses, he's a committee guy. There are, there are other running backs there. And third of all, he's not the guy in – in the offense. He's not even like the first, he's not the first option in this offense. He's probably the, the third option in this offense or even fourth. I think he's the third option in this offense. Yeah. Yeah. He's Tyree kill Travis Kelsey and Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He also has the third toughest strength of schedule for running backs this year. Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yeah. And again, I mean, I don't think it matters when you're, when you're playing in such a high powered offense, like the, uh, like the chiefs have, but all right, it's time for me to make some people mad. Um, I have Clyde Edwards Hilaire down for 210 carries, 935 rushing yards, seven rushing touchdowns, 50 receptions, 445 receiving yards, and three receiving touchdowns. 
So overall, he's an 11 total touchdown guy, not a thousand yard rusher, not getting you 260 carries. It basically ensures that you're an RB1 if you're getting 260 total carries. And I have the receptions being good. It's you know, still I, not a bad season. It's not a bad, not a bad first season. No, not at all. But is that a guy that you're taking in the first round? No. No. I would rather have Josh Jacobs over him all day. Every I'd rather day. have Joe Mixon over him all day. I would rather have uh, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Tyreek Hill, um, Austin Eckler. I'd rather have Austin Eckler over him. I mean, he's my yeah. he's my RB12. He's my RB12. He's ADP right now is he's going 24th overall, so he's not even he's not even going right now in the top two rounds in a 10-team league. He's going in the front end of the third round. And I mean, people want to talk about him yeah. being a first-round pick. Like, for me, that is that is absolutely crazy that people are going to go and jump all over this kid, a rookie, because of the opportunity that he has. There's a difference between having an elite opportunity and being a good player and being a rookie and jumping into an elite opportunity. You have to prove your stuff. And it would be very different if it was someone like David Johnson. It would be very different if it was someone like Melvin Gordon, two running backs that moved this offseason. Clyde Alaire is just entering the league. Yeah. He's a 21-year-old kid that's now playing in a league against men. And, yes, he was a part of the greatest college football offense of all time last year. And now he's coming in to argue, arguably the greatest NFL offense of all time. Yes. Yes. But do we think that that's going to translate in year one? And we've also seen an affinity for Andy Reid to want to go ahead and use multiple running backs. Yes. So I think we do see DeAndre Washington get an opportunity here. I think we do see Daryl Williams get an opportunity here. I definitely think we see Darwin Thompson get an opportunity here as well. So is Clyde Edwards the best guy? Clyde Edwards Alaire the best guy out of those four? Absolutely. No questions asked. But I just find it to be I don't understand why people are so willing and so able to say it. this guy is going to be a top seven running back, top six, even top five right away. As a rookie, it just it doesn't make sense to me. And I've look, I've tried to understand it. I know people who absolutely love Clyde Edwards-Helaire. I know someone that is willing to trade back in a draft, give up a twelfth round keeper in Mark Andrews, trade back to make sure that he gets Clyde Edwards-Helaire. That for me is ridiculous. Ridiculous. That that for me is how you lose a league one on one in a draft. Mm-hmm. That's how you set back a, a league like a fantasy franchise. Adam, Adam, I will tell you, I will tell you this right now. If you don't hear from me after Friday, assume I'm dead. Because and it's because someone took Clyde Edwards Alaire before pick sixteen. Okay. That ha- if that happens. I'm dead. You need to go find a new co-host. Uh, maybe I'll ask Nick. <laughs> I hope he knows about sports. <laughs> well, we're going to see. 
Oh God. I hope that, I mean, geez, I would love to just see this the chat after somebody drafts Clyde Edwards Delaire. Oh, it's going to be, it's a live draft. Oh yeah. Oh, that even, even better. Even I, I'm, better. I'm, 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 I will be seven feet under. Bring some, bring some tomatoes. You just throw them at the guy for drafting Clyde Edwards Hilaire. It is. I can, I can say him. He's been on this podcast before. He knows who he is. It is the, it is the basement talk podcast weatherman, Jared Faggio, who is considering making this trade. I don't know. I just no, just so no, so much no. Yep, I agree. Can't, can't. And he's and and this is the 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 kicker of this, is that he's trading back from the four to the oh ninth. Oh my god! He's giving someone Mark Andrews for a twelfth round keeper to trade back. He's also getting Kenyon Drake for a fifth round keeper, just so he can get Clyde Edwards-Helaire. It makes no sense. And his argument is is that he wants to win this year, Jared. You won't win this year if you, if you do that. If you want him so bad, just draft him, draft him at four. If you're, exactly. You're already dumb. You might as well. You're, you're already making a dumb decision here. <laughs> you're, you're already dumb, so just make it happen. Lean, lean into it. It's not how I meant that for it to come out, but it was a lot funnier than it did. <laughs> it's a lot funnier than it did. Oh, boy. Uh, you know, the interesting thing also, I think that Andy Reid is going to look to probably add somebody, a vet, another veteran presence in the, for the Chiefs offense. I talked about, you know, Devontae Freeman's still out there. I'm just, just saying, he is. He like, is. You, you, like, listen, if Devontae Freeman was in this offense, I would consider taking him before 16. <laughs> I wouldn't. I would consider it. I wouldn't. I, I the, the only guy that I would consider it for is probably Melvin Gordon. Melvin I Gordon. Would, I, yeah. Melvin Gordon, I absolutely 100% would. But I, Clyde Edwards Laird, no. No, 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 no. No. Nope. All right. That was our, that was our, our TED talk. Thank you. Thank you for coming. That was uh, fun. We could, now we have the two easy ones in, yeah. uh, in Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. No, them. no, no controversy here. They're good. They're really good. I mean, Tyreek Hill is, is inconsistent, but I think the good kind of outweighs the bad with Tyreek Hill. You're going to get weeks where he's just going to really like shit the bed and cost you. You mean where he gives you one catch for eight yards against the fucking Raiders? Yes. And he's, I was going to say, fuck he's him. Gonna, he's going to shit the bed and cost you a sandwich. Fuck him. Cost you a bacon, egg, and cheese to your co host. Fuck him. But uh, I have yeah. I have Tyree killed down for eighty three catches, uh one thousand one hundred and eighty five receiving yards and nine touchdowns. Moving on swiftly. Fuck Tyree Kill. Yeah. The one time, the one time I back him up. And does me dirty. It was a great sandwich. Good, I'm glad. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would, I would yeah. shout, I would shout out the deli that made the sandwich, but no free advertising. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing, I actually had Terry kill. Remember it was a 2017 where he basically every other week he was really good. Yeah. It was so weird. So, so, was it 2017 so or was it 2018? 
Um, I think it was 2017 because that was my first year back from – that was my first year in your league. Yeah, it was 2017. Yeah. Yeah, it was 2017. But, uh, wow, what a, what a weird season. But I think somebody that is actually consistent and is not going to give you a solid performance every other week is Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey you mean the best tight end in football? Yes. Travis Kelsey does it all the time. All of the time. Where, where are you taking Travis Kelsey, though? Um, for me, I would, yes. take him, I would take him middle of the second round. Yeah. I would it's take him dead smack in the middle of the second round. That, I mean, just thinking about it, you know, fantasy's tradition, like it's crazy to think about taking a tight end that early. But Travis Kelsey is basically like a wide receiver. With well, his numbers. yeah, I mean, if you look, if you look at the amount of points that uh, Travis Kelsey got you last season, it equates to being the wide receiver ten Just at like, tight end. At tight end. At tight end. Yeah, he gives you he gives you such an advantage at that position, where. You know, I've always been a guy that is always waited on tight end because I just never was the one that was going to go out of their way to take one. However, Travis Kelsey just gives you so much of an advantage at the position that at that point, you just you just have to take him. And I know that on uh, this draft that I have on Friday, um, there's a real possibility that I would get Travis Kelsey at the 2-3 turn. And if I do, I, I, I would... Adam, you might need to get a new co-host because I think I would break my neck trying to do a cartwheel. <laughs> Great. So there are two scenarios where you might be dead after the after Friday's draft, and I will not know which one it is. Correct. I'll just... <laughs> Correct. I'll let you know about it first. I'll give I'll give you a heads up. Okay. I'll give you a heads up. Hey, Adam, it's me from the grave. Clattered Zolaire went went in the first round. Hey, Adam, it's me from the grave. I got Travis Kelsey. I'll just get a text at like tw- at like midnight or eleven thirty on Friday. No, 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 not even a text. My my soul will be in will be in your room. I'll be I'll be in the I'll be in the corner as you're as you're lay, as you're laying in bed. I will be in the corner of your room on your ceiling, just looking down at you. I'll be like Adam, I got Kelsey. Guess what? You're like Adam. Guess what? I got Travis Kelsey. He's like, well, you can't fucking win a fantasy league when you're dead. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> but Adam, Clyde went in round one. No, I think what's going to happen is I'm going to get a text at like 11 o'clock on a fri- on Friday, and it's going to be all caps saying it happened with a bunch of exclamation points. I'm like, oh, I wonder which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> did our show? Uh. Fu- did our show? Did we lose something in the show? Did Jared uh, draft Clyde Edwards Hilaire or did you get Travis Kelsey in round in round two or round three? Both. Both. God. Uh Travis Kelsey. I have down for him, I have him at 90 receptions for 1,127 receiving yards, 10 touchdowns for Mr. Travis Kelsey. He is my tight end one. I would take him right in the middle of round number two in all drafts i mean maybe in uh 12 team 14 team maybe he's going closer to the one two turn but i think in 10 and 12 teamers i think there's a definite scenario 
in which Travis Kelsey does make it to the middle of the second round. And if he does, you snap him up all day long. Snap him up. Take Travis Kelsey. You'll love owning him. I've owned him once, and it was one of the joys of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, on that note, before we, before we wrap up here, I was thinking, remember like six or seven years ago when Jimmy Graham almost like filed a grievance because he wanted to be paid like a wide receiver? Yes. Franchise tag mm-hmm. wise? Yeah. Travis Kelsey has a better case that a better case now for being for applying to the wide receiver franchise tag, if that came to it, than Jimmy Graham did six or seven years ago. He probably does. Honestly. Because that those numbers that you just gave to me, if he was like a blind uh a blind stat line and you had and you asked me to say, is this a wide receiver or a tight end? I'd pick wide receiver. No questions asked. I would definitely pick wide receiver. He's a stud. You take you take him if you have the opportunity. And you sleep better at night knowing you have Travis Kelsey as your tight end. Yes. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all shows under the Basement Talk Podcast umbrella at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud, including the regular vanilla Basement Talk Podcast the fantasy show, which is hosted by Bird and I, and also the Basement Talk podcast, Quizvitational. Yes, we will be recording the third round of the semifinals for the Quizvitational next week. Please leave us a five-star review, and if the uh, app gives you the opportunity to, please leave a comment and tell us how much you like the Basement Talk podcast and uh, what you think about our previews of basically almost all the divisions in the NFL, except for one, which we're doing later in the week, which is the NFC West. Or if you would have a sermon that you would like to be read out at my funeral in case Clyde Edwards-Alaire or Travis Kelsey falls to me and Clyde Edwards-Alaire gets taken in round one, please definitely leave that comment. You know, if you want to, you know, write out a full, uh, full ensemble. Full eulogy. Full, full eulogy, full manifesto. Go ahead. Feel free. Also, Just leave a five-star uh, review though. Also, uh, I'm taking applications for a new co-host in the case that (laughs) bird dies. You can please uh, send emails. (laughs) Just leave Just leave your resume and a comment on, uh, on SoundCloud and I'll uh, take a look at it and reach out to you. (sighs) Oh God. For my co-host Ed Birdsall, I'm Adam Castro. We'll talk to you next time on the basement talk podcast fantasy show. Bye. Bye.